The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay. So to begin our loving-kindness practice, which maybe we'll be able to tap into later in the day, let's start by taking three long, slow, deep breaths. It might be that with an exhale, there's a little letting go, a little softening. And you know, can we turn up the volume of my microphone, please? I'm on microphone two. (coughs) Microphone two. Two. So that I, yeah, thank you, because maybe that's a little bit too loud now. It's a little bit echoey. I'm sorry, I just... Yeah, thank you. There we go. That's a bit better. Thank you. I appreciate it. And then to help support a sense of ease and support a sense of well-being can be helpful to check in with different parts of the body. to hold tension, to feel tension around the eyes and around the jaw. Just noticing the sensations around the eyes and the jaw. Nothing in particular needs to happen. Bring our attention to the shoulders, allowing the shoulder blades to slide down the back, away from the ears. And with that, there might be a little straightening of the spine, a little bit of alertness. Check in with the upper back, the lower back. And the chest, might there be just a tiny, little bit more opening, very, very small, maybe it's unnoticeable, as opposed to collapsing around our heart center, maybe it would just open. Noticing the belly, maybe there's some softness there. Feeling the pressure of the chair or the cushion against your body. Feeling supported, feeling grounded, feeling connected. You're here and now. The sensations in the lower legs, the upper legs on the feet. Another place to feel grounded and connected. Can bring our attention to the arms. And the hands. Chances are the hands are touching something Feel those sensations. Is it smooth? Is it rough? Is it warm? Cool? Maybe there's some tingling, some throbbing. And 
And then to begin, we'll do a little bit of mindfulness of the sensations of breathing. So now we can rest our awareness on the movement of the abdomen or the movement of the chest or perhaps the feeling of air going in and out of the nose. Just choose one of those areas, whichever feels the most accessible, the most supportive, the most vivid perhaps. And we just hang out there. Find the mind wandering. It doesn't have to be a problem. Just very simply, very gently, begin again the sensations of breathing. Nothing needs to be happening. We're just noticing the sensations of breathing very simply, not always easy. Feeling the in-breath from the inside. Not so much thinking about the in-breath, but feeling, touching, experiencing the in-breath. And then to begin loving-kindness practice, bring to mind a lovable being, someone for whom it's easy to feel care, warmth, kindness, friendliness, goodwill, respect. Bring this lovable being to mind doesn't have to be high definition visualization, just a sense of this being. You might check in with the body. Are there are any shifts, any experiences when this lovable being comes to mind? It might be there, it might not be there. And then to support our cultivation, our development of loving-kindness, well, repeat the phrases. You can repeat them after me silently, while keeping in mind the lovable being. 
May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. May you be safe. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. I want to check in with the body and see if there's maybe it's a small corner of your experience, maybe it's your predominant experience, maybe it's not your experience. To see if there is a sense of warmth, a sense of openness, a sense of well-being. And if so, can you allow it to get as big as it would like? We're not forcing anything, we're not making it, we're just allowing. And if you're having the opposite experience of loving-kindness, you can do one of two things. One, can you have a little bit of kindness towards the unkindness? If that feels too complicated and asking like too much, you can come back to the sensations of breathing. If it feels overwhelming or 
not the wise thing to do right now. Otherwise, we can begin again with the lovable being, bringing them to mind. And starting again with the phrases. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. You're welcome to modify the phrases. Maybe using words that are more resonant, more meaningful for you. And of course, they don't have to be in English. Maybe there's a language of your heart that your heart resonates with. The only recommendation is to keep them simple. silent here for a little bit so you can go at your own pace and maybe using phrases maybe not that support you and checking in on occasion with the if there's any sense of openness, warmth, well-being.
Now, can we build on this foundation? Can we expand this loving kindness that we're developing and cultivating? Again, it may not be an obvious experience. We're not manufacturing feelings of warmth or care. We're creating the conditions in which these feelings might arise. This means they might not arise also. And that's okay. That's okay. It's perfectly fine. Can you stay with the practice anyway? So to expand on this foundation of loving kindness, to include ourselves, to wish ourselves goodwill, to extend warmth, care, respect, benevolence towards ourselves, including ourselves. Sometimes we exclude ourselves. Can we include ourselves? Do this in just the same way. Bring to mind ourselves. That can be either an image of how you are today, right now. Some people like to bring to mind a image of themselves when they were younger, perhaps as children, when toddlers or babies. Or maybe rather than a visual image, it's more of a felt sense of sitting here, lying here now, the experiences associated with if in the body there's any sensations that have shifted since I've brought up this idea of loving kindness towards ourselves can we be kind towards whatever shift there has been including no shift and then for the phrases we'll just change the pronoun. May I be safe. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I live with May I be safe. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I live with ease. May I be safe. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I live with ease.
May I be safe. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I live with ease. May I be safe. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I live with ease. May I be safe. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I live with ease. And then to end this meditation, feel the chair, the cushion, or the ground against your body. Feel your feet on the ground. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes.
So I started this morning talking about how to be our own teacher. We can look to see how the Buddha was a teacher. And part of his teaching is characterized as being compassionate, caring about his followers. Then I contrasted that with sometimes we're not so compassionate towards ourselves. Instead, we have this inner critic, and sometimes really loud. And not only is it loud, but we believe it. So we fall into this cycle of thinking somehow we're inadequate, we're not doing it right. Not recognizing that these are just thoughts that arise and that they pass away. And not recognizing that, of course, we have these thoughts in so many ways. Kind of, We've been conditioned to kind of have these feeling like we have to do more, we have to be more somehow, somehow. And one way to work with that is develop loving kindness. And we start where it's easiest. I know there's a, often a tendency, kind of like no pain, no gain, this feeling like, okay, I have to do loving kindness towards that person that really bothers me all the time and I'm not supposed to be angry, so I better cultivate loving kindness for them. But Wow, that's not so easy. What's what the intention here is to just like develop kind of uh, what is it? I mean, the neurologists will call it neuroplasticity. This idea that our neural networks are malleable can be changed, but just to change to create new pathways in the mind, so to speak, make it a little bit easier. The more we do it, just like everything else, right? The more we do it, the easier it becomes. So practicing loving kindness in whatever way can help us with this inner critic, can help us with that sense of not being inadequate. I'll talk later today about some other things that we can do. But now I'd like to open it up and just hear from you guys some comments, some questions, either about what I've um, been talking about or to share a little bit about how that meditation was. What was it like to go from the lovable being to yourself? Was it easy peasy? Was it a little bit complicated? Was this idea of the inner critic, does it feel worthwhile to pay attention to? I don't know, some questions, comments that you might have. And we'll use the microphone so that everybody can hear. So there's a one microphone here. I'm just wondering, um, what do you do if uh, the loving kindness uh, phrases make you sad instead of open and happy? Yeah. You know, that's often, I shouldn't say, it's, that's very common. I should say this, actually. So there's uh, two things to do. One is to switch to like a mindfulness practice in terms of like, oh, sadness has arisen. Can I be kind towards this sadness and feel the sadness? Without this idea that I hate it, it has to go away, I hate it, it has to be different. Instead, can there be just a little bit of kindness, like, okay, this is sadness. And give it the permission to be there. It's legitimate that it's there. And loving kindness often brings up these types of things. And one way to be with it or to allow it without fighting and pushing is to feel it in the body. So sadness, all of us have a difference. Sometimes there's some, maybe like, something around the eyes associated with tears there can be a real sense of heaviness there can be maybe like a contraction around the heart there can be a feeling of darkness or doom or something like this but 
one way to hold it and without getting swept up in it or to feel overwhelmed by it is to bring some mindfulness to it and specifically the physical sensations. The physical sensations help us stay here in the moment as opposed to the thinking, which is like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I feel this way. I always feel this way. And then the inner critic, I'll never be able to do this loving kindness. I don't know what that's all about. I'm so sad. And I've been sad for a decade. I'm always sad. And I don't know. Then our thoughts can like, I'm sad. My mother or my parents are sad. My grandparents were sad. I'm, you know, I don't know. We, all, we just there's a lot of thinking that goes along with this so if we can kind of drain out some of the power of the thinking with by paying attention to the physical sensations if that feels difficult and uncomfortable then we can just do mindfulness of the sensations of breathing so maybe we kind of like stop with the phrases and just do mindfulness with the sensations of breathing what we don't want to do is bring some aversion, some non-loving kindness, some hatred, some, I don't know, with the towards that experience. If it's uh, any help, I've had lots of experience of this too, doing loving kindness practice, and then everything except loving kindness arises. And feeling like, wow, I, feeling, I like feeling hatred and rage and anger and... It was a great relief when I shared it with a teacher who said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's okay. This is a purification process. We kind of like get cleansed of these things. Often when we're thinking about loving kindness, everything, it's sometimes in the back of our mind, all those times that we haven't felt it or that we haven't experienced it or haven't shared it with others sometimes comes up. It's okay. It's okay. Any other comment? Oh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, uh, question regarding uh, discontent and uh, suffering, the first noble truth. So you talked about the stress that's there. And uh, listening to Ajahn Thanissaro a couple of weeks ago, I think the Buddha was also had tremendous discontent and stress before he gained awakening. And I think he brought this point about you still have agency over your actions. You're still responsible for your actions. So how do you contrast the two? And can you highlight for me what's the contrast? So you're still responsible for your actions. You're still driving your actions. Yet your actions, your thoughts, are driving you crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So I would say the Buddhist path is so much about wisdom, gaining wisdom. So much we think this is going to lead to happiness. We think this is going to lead to well-being. We're pretty sure it's worked once. We're going to do it again and again and again and again. And just not recognizing that actually it's causing us suffering. It made sense at one time, but now maybe it's a habit, or maybe uh, we learned it uh, from some situation that this is the way to, to behave or the way to think. And so, so much about practice is gaining wisdom so that we can see, yes, we have actions, but maybe these actions over here are leading to suffering, and I just didn't see it before. And or these actions over here lead to sense of well-being, sense of happiness, and I just didn't know that it did because maybe immediately it was uncomfortable but, but led to less stress and suffering. So it's all about wisdom helping us to find our way. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that today. Yeah, I, I think I was trying to get to uh, if the Buddha wasn't deeply, intensely discontented, he wouldn't have gained enlightenment. Is that a fair statement? He was looking for the ending of suffering. So if he didn't have suffering, he would. there was no need to look for the end of it. That's true. And all of us have suffering too. And you're probably here looking for the end of suffering too, right? You wouldn't be sending a Saturday <laughs> inside here at IFC. We didn't have any, so... 
so absolutely, that's absolutely right. That before his awakening, there was a lot of suffering. Afterwards, there was physical pain. He still had a human body, of course, but not that same type of suffering. Yeah. Hi, uh, this is my first time. This is wonderful. Thanks so much for the teaching. Uh, I had a question about your statement that you made in the beginning about how we our mind starts to think after a while how we should be acting in a certain way. I've, I've been feeling that for a while that since I have been practicing meditation, it's not been the way that it should be after practicing for a while I should be able to tame my mind I should be able to at some point sit 10 minutes without like being distracted every 30 seconds um, and I under- I can relate to what he was saying but I didn't quite follow on how to go about it after knowing that even if everyone goes through this or what is the benchmark after which I start to feel that it's not working the way it should because I still have trouble following 10 breaths without my mind constantly going in a chain of thought. Yeah, yeah. So you're looking for how can you get concentrated because you feel like you should be able to? Yes, so I constantly <laughs> think that I sh- now I should be able to. I spend so many days of sitting 10 minutes every morning and I'm not... I feel yeah. like I'm not making progress and I'm exactly what you sa- where you said that feel I should. Yeah, yeah. But I, don't I think know your how question to... is all about that too, right? <laughs> yes. So, I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about this, but, um, yeah, wouldn't it be great if it were so easy? We just had this idea, like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and I'm following my breath. I've been doing this for some time. What's going on? Why, why can't I do it? This is not easy. It's not easy. This practice is not easy. It's simple. We're just following one's breath. We're trying not to make it too complicated, but it's not easy. It takes practice. It takes a lot of practice. And what happens is what makes it more difficult, what is an obstacle, what gets in the way, what hinders, what's an obstruction, is this idea that it should be different than how it is. So we often are having this little quiet thinking like it should be different than how it is. But the practice, so right, what you're described as being um, aware of the sensations of breathing, mindfulness of breathing, but is to, the practice is to do it with an attitude of, okay, this is what's actually happening. And so the practice is as best we can, as best we can to put, down the struggle with reality, the, str- the wrestling with this is my experience, but I don't want it to be my experience. That this is my what's happening, but I think it should be different. So there's two things one is the activity, and the second is the attitude in which we are bringing to it, the, our relationship to what's actually happening. And it's easy to not notice the attitude, to not notice the, uh, how we want it to be different. And if we can soften that, even just a little bit, this idea that it should be different, then there can be movement and it often is different. But it's kind of one of these paradoxes. The more that we are wrestling with, okay, I want it to be different, it stays the same. So... I'll talk a little bit more about this, but this idea of allowing things to be as they are as, and having an attitude of that just allows a little bit more spaciousness, a little bit more ease, a little bit more relaxation. And with that, there's less agitation. With less agitation, it's easier for the mind to stay with the objects that we're looking at. Was that helpful? Great. I'm I'm hoping that you will talk about forgiveness, self forgiveness. Um, 
when the thoughts are not so much about, I can't do this, whatever. But there's this continual um, memories of of um, decisions made in the past, actions made in the past. Intellectually, it's gone, it's too late, whatever. But how does one get to the point to forgiving oneself for what we've done to ourselves or to someone else? Yeah. So I'm not going to talk today specifically about self-forgiveness. And we can talk about that uh, maybe during the break or offline or something about that. That's... It did occur to me when I brought up this idea of this self-critical voice that maybe the whole day long should be on this, right? Being your own teacher is like learning how not to be so critical. But uh, it's not going to be that. Um, There are some forgiveness practices that, um, not in the Buddhist scriptures, we don't hear anything about this, about the Buddha talking about them, but um, for those of you who are listening, I can say that Jack Cornfield has some forgiveness, including self-forgiveness practices online. And you can Google that. You can listen. He has some guided meditation and some readings um, about it. So I can point you in that direction, Jack Cornfield. And I'll also say that don't underestimate the power of doing some loving-kindness um, practice. It's that same idea of like, of can we um, hold ourselves with some warmth and with some care? It's the same idea as to stop beating ourselves up. It's the same idea as um, learn the lessons that we can from the mistakes that we've made, and we've all made mistakes, right? We've all harmed others, harmed ourselves, intentionally, unintentionally, knowingly and unknowingly. Can we still, um, can we tap into the sense of, I'm sorry, I was going to say, can we learn what needs to be learned? Like, oh, I thought this was, it made sense at the moment and I thought this was going to be helpful and it turned out to not be helpful. Or I, I just couldn't think clearly. I was so angry. I was so sad. I was so confused. I couldn't think clearly. And I did this thing, either for, towards one, somebody else or to ourselves. And to learn what needs to be learned, this doesn't work when I am confused or angry or sad to watch what I'm going to say or do, for example. And then as best we can, put, put down the... the, the self-recrimination so not pretending that it didn't happen but to maybe it's worthwhile to spend some time thinking about talking to somebody else writing about what are the lessons what is learned from them and put the focus on the events that were done and what can be learned and what can help to support you and take the focus away of I'm a bad person I harm people I don't know what's best. I am always making mistakes. I am doing this. If we can take the focus away from the I and put it on what's, okay, here's the harm that was done. Here's the pain that was experienced. And what can be learned from that? And then to practice some loving kindness and some care and some compassion. And some forgiveness practices may help with that, may help with this putting the focus on what can be learned and the and not um, not uh, doing a whitewash pretending like it, it's oh it's all fine but to see if we can soften the self recrimination the self uh, self beating up something like that okay so let's take a break it's 10:40 uh, can we come back at 11 o'clock? So a 20-minute break. That gives you time to have a cup of tea, talk to some other people, stretch your legs, maybe step outside for some fresh air, whatever you might need. So, thank you. So this isn't silent today?
today? No, it's today's oh. not silent. You can talk it's, uh, during the break. <laughs> 